Welcome all you geniuses, Afflecks, Damons, Law Books, and Complicated Maths. We're one with the films. This is the podcast for Kissing in the Dark in Fenway Park. Now, we're the film hoes, bashing film bros, and going toe-to-toe with these fucking CEOs. But that's another story. As for who we are, well, listen, I'm that spicy little lemon cake with the Harvard levels of debt. And I'm, the, you know, this cheeky little scholar giving you a holler. It's Movie K-Man the third. How y'all doing? Y'all doing fine? Y'all doing a good time? You know, you're having a good time? Well, you little fan there. Thanks for, for joining us on a Saturday. Unless you're watching this on Spotify, in which, well, um, have a good day, I suppose. But anyway, listen, with me today is a man who puts the Ard in Skarsgård, the Hard in Harvard, and the Will in Williams, and the fear in me. And frankly, that's uh, that's my buddy Nap over here. That's my co-host. Hey, Nap, how you doing? I, I mean, I didn't realize that I scared you so much, but um, I guess I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. I, I mean, listen, that's more just like a, like, I think it works for the dynamic. You okay. kind of have a little bit of, like, fear. Just a little bit of, a little bit of healthy fear. You're terrified exactly. that our love would be too real. Listen, it's the same thing with your Asajj Ventress kink, right? You need to have a little bit of, like, step on me, like, Baby energy. Boy, let me, I'm going to say this in no uncertain terms for you right now. Pay, pay attention. I'm not scared of that woman. <laughs> I am entranced but, and excited by that woman. And I'm waiting for the day that it happens, okay? Fair enough. Absolutely. Do you remember that but, episode of Clone Wars where this guy walks up and is like, what's a beautiful, bold babe like you doing in a place like this? I'm like, that's my line. That's my line. That's your line? All right. Uh, interesting. Like, I, I think your line would be more akin to, huh? <laughs> anyway, yeah. like, but, <laughs> Mommy. But anyway, we uh, as, as much as this conversation would indicate, we are actually not alone. Uh, but we are with an editing legend. A blast from my past, a god tier on premiere. This is the man who is there for all your editing needs and a budding daemon in his own life. It's an honor and a privilege to welcome Shut Up and Cuts, Joey DeBlanco to the show. Joey, say hi to the people. Hi, people. How you guys doing? I'm excited to be here. Good man. Absolutely um, fantastic. It actually so is wild here, the, way that, um, <laughs> the way that uh, things worked out. Obviously, we were saying before, you know Keegan from like back in the day, and I met him through like TikTok, and like you basically taught me how to edit through your videos. <laughs> So it's like, it's oh, crazy that to the point oh, where, awesome. yeah, yeah. Like, I think we've had a couple of conversations back and forth on some of your videos as well. But I remember actually being like to Keegan at one point, I was like, it'd be cool to have this, but he's like, oh yeah, I know that guy. And I was like, wait, wait like, what? Just do a text. <laughs> yeah. He literally, he literally was like, at some point he was like, oh man, you know, it'd be so cool to get this like shut up and cut guy over here. Or I forget who mentioned it, if it was you or me. And it was like, oh, it'd be so cool to get him. I'm like, yeah, well, just let me send him a text. What do you mean, send him a text? Oh, we went to college together. Yeah, and it's what? just like, it's just, and he's like, what do you That's mean? So funny. I love <laughs> that. I love that. Yeah. So your work is really doing great. So yeah. listen, but yeah, so if, if you, if you, yeah. if you guys need to know how uh, good Joey is at teaching, just watch Naf's videos. And I mean, that don't do will that. really determine how well <laughs> Joey can teach. It's, that's so, a good point. Like, what good what point. he really taught me at the start was um, essentially all of the things that made uh, editing faster for me. I'm still working on the process and the flow and what the, uh, the voice, I suppose, is that comes through in the edit. But um, you saved me many, many, many hours there, Joey, with your uh, top and tailing tips. And <laughs> I was good. like, my God, good. how did I not know about Q&W? Crazy. Mm-hmm. 
did right yeah on. like That's i feel goal. like you've done this you've done the same with me like there's a couple of tips that i would like save on tiktok and i'm like i didn't fucking know Jesus. that and just like put it up put it off to the side and just yeah. be like all right when i use that it's gonna be great and so, yeah that that bookmarked section exactly never, right i have never like a really special... go back to <laughs> exactly that like you know you're like oh well i'll put a little folder aside here but uh yeah. like i save a shit ton of videos i don't think i've gone back to one once like i i but i always have like save i'm gonna go back to this i'm gonna relit i'm gonna learn and then it's just like nope so they're there when you need them they're there exactly when you need them. exactly but joe you brought goodwill hunting today now I would love to know, yes, kind of like, obviously, like we're going into this. Uh, Naf hadn't seen it. I've seen it a while ago. And um, I just want to know kind of why you brought this to us today. Well, actually, actually, before we get to there, Naf, do you want to get into what we're here today to do? Why why, why the fuck we're all here? Um, yeah, why the hell not, right? Give, a, give us some context. Yeah, yeah well, come on. I mean, you're here for one with the films. We're trying to become one with the films, right? And we do that through the weekly watch list. And for the uninitiated, the weekly watch list is where Kay and I will usually force each other and you to watch one of our personal favorite films with the goal of being introducing somebody else to something new, right? It's always the, the, the what's the word? Uh, the consistent uh, key of the podcast is that somebody who is on this chat hasn't seen the movie before, right? Like somebody is getting something new. And hopefully um, that sort of does the same thing for you guys. Uh, and every now and then we'll bring on somebody who has sort of much better taste than us to introduce us to one of their favorite films um, and jump on and talk about kind of what makes it special. And the best part about this is that like, you know, not every conversation needs to be Shawshank Redemption is the best film of all time or something silly like that where we circle jerk some Nolan films. Like, the idea is what makes this film real and personal and beautiful to you? Uh, and that's why we love doing this because a bunch of nerds just get together, talk about the thing we love. And if you're here, obviously we're so glad to have you with us. And if you're not, well then, um, I don't really have anything to say to you, I guess. Um, but Joey, Fair enough. you picked our film of the week. And if you guys are seeing uh, the title of the episode, you might have an idea of what film that is. Uh, it's not so subtle this time as they usually are. But why don't you give us a bit of context on what the film is, Joey? Why you chose it? Yeah, so um, you guys kind of, Keegan reached out to me and said, hey, come on the, come on the podcast. Uh, just bring a film with you. And I was like, all right. So I picked Goodwill Hunting. Um, good God Will Hunting. Is that what that is? Good <laughs> yeah. God. Good yes. God, Will hunting. hunting. I love that. Yeah. Um, so yep. I picked I picked Goodwill Hunting. Um, I'm a big fan of Matt Damon, big fan of Ben Affleck, and a big fan of Robin Williams too. Mm. And so one of the the reasons I wanted to talk about this one is I don't really get to talk about movies with a bunch of people on like an intellectual level. A lot of the mm. people uh, that I'm surrounded by every day, family and friends, they're not uh, as much of a film nerd as me. I so. Obviously, hopping on this podcast, having an opportunity to do that, I had to take it. Um, but the reason why this one connected with me isn't really because of what's happening in the film, but what happened outside of it. Um, I've always wanted to be a filmmaker, director, you know, right now editor. Um, mm -hmm. But for Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, the story behind this film is kind of what I'm in love with. Not the story they made, but the story that they lived mm. um, to mm -hmm. get this thing made. That was something that I was, you That's know, really profound. attracted to. I loved I loved seeing that. And so, you know, that's kind of why I brought it in. Absolutely. And and again, what a one to do it with. And, and going off of that, one thing that I know that people might be curious about with us, we're going to be making a fair amount of TikToks on this, but talking about young people going into the industry and talking about things like that. Uh, obviously, 
uh, SAG just went on strike. Now, WGA has been on strike for months uh, and, you know, been uh, fighting for livable wages. Uh, things such as this, movies like this wouldn't be possible without the idea of like being able to get people to make minim like, you know, be able to live middle class lifestyles in yeah. the, the arts. And the thing is, uh, as a podcast, we're very conscious of the fact that um, we want to uh, we want to help. We want to help in whatever way we can. Thing is, guys, if you couldn't tell by the uh, by the rousing numbers of our podcast, uh, we don't get paid to do this. Like we absolutely are uh, doing this, like for the two pigeons that decide to like you know have a courtesy listen. And uh, you know we're really doing this because we enjoy it and we love talking about film and more importantly what film means to us and the people that come onto this podcast. Yeah. The fact that these stories meant something to us, and of course that reflects on the people that made it. So for us, we are going to continue to do what we do, but as but we're going to be talking about the strikes. I myself am striking with a couple of my SAG friends, uh, and so I'll be out there and going and on the picket lines and stuff like that, doing some TikToks from there as well, uh, promoting their cause and everything like that. So I hope that you guys all uh, obviously understand and keep an eye on that. Uh, we will be continuing to do the podcast, but we won't be doing things uh, like we won't be talking about Barbie. We won't be talking about Oppenheimer. Uh, <laughs> we won't be doing that over there, even though we will be wearing some sick ass merch, probably uh, that's just unavoidable. Uh, but it's like, I mean, how can you not? But yeah. nonetheless, uh, but the I would one like to perk add to that this. as well. Go ahead, um, and then I'll get to my perk. Yeah, yeah, just this uh, concept, that, particularly for me being somebody who's outside outside the industry. You know, we all have dreams, but like completely outside, there's this idea that um, I think is becoming all too real for so many people that uh, the expectation that writers and actors and directors and all the people that work in the industry are all on like great money. It's like, you know, you're making a show consistently or you... Um, right for a film or yeah particularly for first person tv is probably the big one right now um that you go man like they've got to be getting like huge money for it and then this kind of like rude awakening of this idea that that's not really the reality and that people are actually struggling um to make ends meet when you'd be expecting them to be like you have my dream job what do you mean you're not making ends meet <laughs> so this was a huge realization for me and uh, joey you've got a friend in chat as well <laughs> um nicole's reaching out to you <laughs> Um, that's my girlfriend ah, Hi, Nicole. <laughs> she has to show support it's got to be done yeah um my but biggest fan. yeah like it just it blew my mind um that that absolutely was again i had no concept of it. i was just like oh yeah one day i'll be a cool writer and have my dream job and i'll have all of this money coming through and it's like oh actually no um and then <laughs> it, seeing uh, samuel jackson how it is <laughs> seeing samuel jackson's post the other day on instagram on his story where he did the percentages you know like they're not letting people make because they need this amount of money the percentages were like they want to they need to give up i think 0.1 percent of the total revenues for the year to be able to make people have you know the ability to live a living wage uh it's absurd knowing how much money these studios are making how greedy they continue to be um, where is that i'd like to see that you said samuel jackson can... posted that yeah i think he put it on his story so it might be gone by now but um he may have put it on like his twitter and stuff too someone had to have screenshotted it and posted oh it for internet. sure yeah because i'd be interested in seeing you know from his perspective how the money split up that'd, that'd definitely be something I'd, i think I'd it was do. a oh, screenshot yeah. from somebody else's tweet that he just shared um so i'll, I'll it, it, find that and send it to you as well guys absolutely and it's one of those things where guys i i for anybody that listens to this you probably are not one of these people i know there's a misconception when you hear how much actors are paid 
or you hear these things there, like you hear people like Robert Downey Jr. making insane amounts of money, things of like that on projects. This is not what these strikes are about. These strikes are about the minimum, about the people that are trying to make a middle class lifestyle. These are your background actors, your uh, the person who has one line in the coffee shop, the, yeah, the nine the person, to fivers of the industry, the nine to yeah. fivers doing this that are uh, being asked to have their likeness uh, copied and then uh, just basically that the studios can have it in perpetuity. Like, uh, just it's 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 insane what's being asked and like obviously we're not going to make this about us we want to make this about everybody there but just want everybody to know if anybody had any curiosity where our stance was this is it and so with that being said uh we're going to talk about a film that actually surprisingly doesn't have to do with these pieces of shit it has to do with a different piece of shit who has who actually produced it but nonetheless uh this was an incredible feat of a film like the, as joey said as a filmmaker this truly was one of those films that for me really did change at least at least my perspective on how films were made when i heard about this was the case it's something that continues to inspire me as a filmmaker in your same um in the same way that it did for you joey where i felt like okay wait a minute so these guys just wrote a script when they were around my age and somehow ended up meeting the right connections to get to Robin Williams, who took it to these people who got it there, got the star power. If they can do it, so can I. Mm. And like, it kind of acts as this incredible, um, I don't know, just this incredible insp inspiring tale for filmmakers and everything with that. So going off of that, Naf, do you have, uh, you have some fun facts for us, right? Yeah, absolutely I do. Um, and they are pretty fun, if I do say so myself. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> not really. They're, we'll just see. The, they're just the usual. Uh, we'll this, see. This grassroots film was written by uh, and starring uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, and it was directed by Gus Van Sant uh, and released in 1998, three years after I was born. Uh, this film was the breakout for the writer leads, bringing home uh, sorry, after bringing home a $225 million in the box office from a production budget of merely $10 million. So huge um <laughs> it has an 8.3 out of 10 on imdb from over 1 million reviews obviously a lot of people have seen the film uh, and has a letterbox score of 4.3 out of 5 from 740,000 reviews uh, it's number 82 on imdb's top rated films list and saw nine academy award nominations including best picture lead actor supporting actress director editing original song score uh, writing and supporting actor, winning the last two. It's about all the components that make up a, a make up a movie, dude. Wow. Yeah. Oh it's yeah. Like, mental. Um, but the last two in one. <laughs> so Matt Damon and Ben Affleck won uh, best uh, original screenplay, um, and uh, what's his name, Robin Williams. Uh, sorry, uh, won best supporting actor. Um, the win made Ben Affleck, who was 25 at the time, the youngest winner ever for an Academy Award. And at the exact same time made Matt Damon, who was 27, the second youngest. Uh, getting the mm. film made was not an e was not an easy feat uh, for the unknown Damon and Affleck duo, and they had to shop it around from studio to studio, finally getting it bought by Miramax. Uh, as per usual with any Robin Williams films, it features many, many ad-libbed ad lines and moments from himself, including the last line of the film, which Matt Damon regards as his best addition. Um, 
it's must-see cinema for any filmmaker. As we just discussed, its mere existence is a miracle. And any other film lovers, of course, it's unabashedly and indisputably a classic, which I saw for the first time this year. Don't uh, don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> And, and go and going with that, uh, obviously we have. Fin- I mean, let's just talk about it. like for for me, this film. My mom showed me when I was way too young to understand what the fuck was going on. I heard hunting, and I thought action was involved. Mm-hmm. There's not, and so I was deeply disappointed as a child. Um, but there were stuff that always stuck out to me. Like one of the things that I always loved, the Robin Williams monologue on the park bench always as a kid stuck out to me and it continued to be something throughout my life. I would go back to and his work in this film just continues to inspire me. And when I think about films that I look to as a creator now, this is still one of them that I will regularly look at as like, there's just something about this film that the questions that it asks and the situations it forces you to consider Mm. are so brilliant. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's just so mature that you would have assumed these guys had life experience out the wazoo, right? Like you would have experienced, this is like some guy writing it from Robin Williams's character's age, you know, like he like being the people that actually have been to the Sistine Chapel and you know doing this shit. But no, it's these fucking twenty five year olds over here writing about like some of the like dropping bars about life. Yeah, some of the and most I'm profound like, shit you've ever heard on screen. And you're just like, and you're just like, fuck you, I guess. Yeah. And then find finding out even some of my favorite things about um, hearing the idea of so many people to like in the film even like you hearing that matt damon to some degree is just this smart that like a lot of this stuff like he actually went to goddamn harvard i believe and it's like this thing of like we don't give you enough credit that you're actually like a really smart guy to even put this shit down on paper i'm like I ass- now, granted, I assume all of it's correct. I could be fucking wrong. But, like, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where I just... This film just... It always stuck out to me as something that always just kind of, like, resonated with me. And it was now, at some point, it was one of those films that, like, I kept telling you, I'm like, buddy, you're gonna love this film. You're gonna love this film. You need to watch this movie. Like, it's just a total you film. And when you were out here we actually sat down and watched it. Yeah. And, like, and my so, copy is still uh, sealed yeah. in the wrapper, see? Like... <laughs> <laughs> like, that, that's that's how good good of a purchase that's been. I mean, it only cost me $9.98, so... Money well spent. Yeah. And uh, so, so with that said, Naf, tell me your impressions of this film. Well, I think that, um... I don't know why, um, but I did have, like, a concept in mind of what this film was, like, going to be. And obviously it was completely, like, wrong. Like, I think, yeah, the name. Like, I was, like, I didn't realize that, <laughs> you know, the main character's name was Will Hunting. I thought that it was a pu- couple of people that were hunting for goodwill. And I was, like, okay, we're just looking <laughs> for a shop where we can uh, thrift some stuff, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, no, but I was just, like, I don't know. Like, I don't even know what, what to expect from, from this. I don't know... Uh, I expected like a big emotional moment where I kind of thought that 
he would become really close uh, with his therapist, with Robin Williams, and then maybe, like, it would be revealed that, like, Robin Williams does something or, like, took his own life or something like that to the point that that kind of is the big pinnacle. Like, oh, my God. Like, that's kind of where I expected yeah. it to go. And it wasn't like that at all. Um, and it is, uh, yeah, like, really, really beautiful and really profound. And, um, again, yeah, really impressive because uh, it does have that kind of feel of something that was put together by people that have been around for much longer um, than these guys were. <laughs> like, it's it's really, really impressive. And so, yeah, like, going into it, like, I know that... Uh, and so, Joe, like, when did you first see this movie? Oh, shit. Um, honestly, it wasn't too long ago. I think it was sometime in college. I think it was mm-hmm. sometime... Uh, freshman, sophomore year was when I watched it for the first time, and and after I watched it, I had to watch it again. <laughs> so oh, yeah. it wasn't like a, you know you just watch it once and then I was like, hold on. I the very next day I watched it again. I was like, what did I what did I actually just watch? So I had to watch. <laughs> it. So I think it was sometime, in, but I think it was sometime you know freshman year of college. Oh, understandably, and it's one of those films that just does merit those rewatches. I'm you know what I mean? Like a rewatch. Like I'm like, yeah, I want to see it again. <laughs> It's also just, it takes you, it's one of those films that also just takes you through the right amount of the emotional spectrum. Yeah. You know, like, it makes you cry for, like, sad, but it also makes you cry for, like, inspired. Mm. You also have the drama, but it also makes you laugh. And it's like, it's it's just, it doesn't let you sit in the drama too much. It's just, it, it's a very much a dramedy in my eyes. Like, it's, it's, it's this oh, yeah. kind of insane film that like it, it really just hits all the notes it's no wonder they won for writing because it's just there is I've gonna... even now i'm trying to put it's hard pressed to think of another film that's really like this one you know sure there's stuff that's kind of in a similar vein but i'm like th- th- there's just something so special yeah. about this well i want to add to that um that our main character will hunting deflects a lot of his pain through like humor and like you know basically just being an asshole all the time. And somehow I feel like the film does that too. I don't know if that sounds like really like cringe to say yeah. that, but like there's this concept like you're watching the film and I feel like it's taking the piss sometimes with some of the things that it's doing or some of the ways that the characters are acting. You're just kind of like, like, what are we hiding behind here? I feel like I'm Roman Williams and I'm looking at the film and I'm like, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> just waiting for the film to cry and hug me. And I'm like, I got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you're absolutely right. Like, it, it, the film kind of, like, does the whole thing of it's going to lure you in with almost a false sense of security a little bit. Like, kind of going like, oh, yeah, laugh it out, laugh it out a bit. And then all of a sudden, it just hits you with a gut punch scene. Like, it, it, it'll do shit like that where... I think ultimately what I love about this film is it does ask the question, when you look at geniuses in history, right... I think we always kind of similar to how I think Shakespeare is improperly taught in high school, which is we're looking at Shakespeare's, oh, this great writing. Oh, look at this. This is incredible work. When Shakespeare wrote his plays for the fucking masses, he wrote this for the people in the streets. Romeo and Juliet has like three sex jokes in the first five minutes. (laughs) Like it's the thing. It's like when you really realize what was happening, it's like, it's very much this same thing with geniuses. Like a lot of these people were just obscurity 
working these jobs, but just were brilliant and then ended up becoming physicists or things like that, but they came from nothing. And it's like a lot of these things there. And that's what I think that the film starts you off with this really interesting question of, you know, this kid who's clearly brilliant, who's able to solve these questions, but he doesn't take the credit. Why is he the janitor at this school and he's not actually in it? Yeah. And it's just, it sets you up with this just interesting dichotomy of this guy who's so brilliant, who's just going drinking out with his buddies every night. Like what, it's this, it's this great character that makes you innately ask so many questions. And I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I kind of want to know, like, because before we even get to obviously the late great Robin Williams's performance in this, which I think is his ultimately his best performance besides the genie, it's like this. I want to know what you guys felt like, obviously, with the characters in this film, especially good like Will. I want to know, Joey, like, is this a character that kind of like like resonates with you or are there are things that you find interesting about the dynamic there i just want to know what your guys's perspective on this film yeah I with think, those uh, aspects one of the main reasons i do like this is just because the main care everybody's going to connect with the main character naturally right especially as a male especially you know wanting to do something with their lives i think it's really easy to connect to him um and i think one of the things that i did you know i was afraid you know if you look at the time period when i watched it why i liked it so much i was a freshman in college i was trying to make friends and to see, you know, this guy with some friends, I was like, you know, that's kind of badass. Oh, look, he took a punch for him. Oh, look, he's standing up for him. You know, it's some some <laughs> easy things um, for me to connect with. And, and especially that fucking scene was so brilliant when he's in the bar. He's hitting on the chick and the dude comes up and he's like, uh, oh, yeah, I remember there was a, sur- it was a surveys course. And, you know, Will comes in and he stands up for him. He's like, yeah, page 92. Yeah, you're going to cite the whole fucking thing. <laughs> One of the best yeah. scenes. Yeah. And the yeah. reason is, you know, I'd, I'd want a friend like that. You know, it's very it's very quick. It's a very easy, you know, an, analyze for me because I'm like, dude, that's exactly – I want friends like that who just yeah. kind of step up, who show up, you know. And at the same time, you know, that's kind of the friend that I want to be. And so it's really easy to connect, right? And, and, and Absolutely. I think that's, that's one of the reasons I like this so much is because, you know, the crew in the movie, the camaraderie, the, you know, the friendship, it's tight. You know, it's a tight bond, so tight that he pushes him away. You know, hey, what, what the mm. fuck are you still doing here? What, uh, this the scene where they're on the car in the in the parking lot, and he's like, "Dude, just get out of here. I don't know what you're doing." You know, I think uh, <laughs> some I think really is... easy pieces to connect with. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I was gonna add that because I was thinking about that that scene as you were talking about that because I feel like again, as you watch the film, like somehow you feel like a part of it because in the same vein that you see this person who is brilliant destroying their life, there's a frustration there where you kind of want to shake him and slap him and go, look, I do actually love you as a character. Like you're a great character, but at the same time, like you deserve better. And to have uh, one of the characters, you know, Ben Affleck's character come in and, and actually say that to him was like, oh, finally, somebody said it. Um, and of course, <laughs> like we said, that's kind of the mark of, it's almost like he's using his friends to um, kind of disconnect from the world. You know, like I can just kind of go here and drink and fight people and be he's, like... Yeah, he's letting the weight. He's like, fuck it, yeah. yeah. Like he's letting the weight sit. And it's like, like you know, it's that idea that like your good friends are going to kind of like just hear you out when you're, you know, you're complaining about something like, oh, let's say I fucked up and I go to Keegan and I'm like, cool, he, here's all the ways that I fucked up. And he's like, yeah, 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 nah, they they screwed you over, man. Like, you know, the world's against you. Like, it's all for you. But it's like the real friend is the person who actually comes back and goes, hey, I love you. 
you're off base here. There's actually change that you need, that you need to do here's, this. Here's this, the this. reality. Yeah. And <laughs> that's it's that's like, what he's saying. He's to giving be you a reality To be able to do that um, from a, a brother, to be able to come in, that's kind of the, that switch moment between that and obviously with uh, yeah. uh, Robin Williams and stuff. This, yeah, like this guy actually, for the first time in his life, who out of fear of doing things that he has no control over, like, for example, a relationship or a big job or going into school, and he's really smart, but maybe he'll fail. And, like, it just a lot of it comes from fear, right? Um, and for the first time, uh, somebody's basically called him out on that and gone, like, it, it's okay to be scared, but, like, you know, essentially, oh, well is better than what if, yeah? Like, let's... Yeah, like, it, it's, it's the thing of going... And, and I think that this film is very mature in a lot of ways, because I, I even heard some people talking about the concept of the scene with Matt Damon and Affleck, which is obviously one of the famous scenes of the film. Um, and like that one is one where I've heard people kind of make fun of that being like, well, that's an asshole friend. That's basically like the best part of my day is, is the day is the minutes when I think that you just left. It's like, that's though. kind of an asshole thing. But, oh. but the thing is, it's like, but you don't understand what that friend is trying to say is the thing is, and I have friends like this when I left, Arizona to come out to LA to pursue film was I had friends tell me and I even had my uncle tell me who like had a beautiful thing that he said to me was he reminded me of that scene and he was like you know here's the thing what that scene represents is the idea of like the true friends that are like and listen man I love hanging out with you I love it every day every goddamn day I love being able to hang out with you and enjoy this but the thing is you have something that any one of us would kill to have. Like I'm like, I love his line where he's like, cause I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll be 40 and that's fine. Like, that's just such a good concise line of like, that's exactly. And he's like, listen, that's just my life. That's how I feel. But you have a winning ticket. You have something that any of us would kill to have. And you're too scared to take that leap. And that's why it's like, I just, as your friend, I just want to see you succeed, man. I just don't, if you're not going to do this, just don't let it be out of fear. Like Joe, I, I know kind of like even going to our relationship outside of here, like where it's like, it's kind of like film, right? Like all of us get into that situation where it's, it's a, it's a field of unknowns. It's a, you have to be a little insane to pursue a career in the film industry. You have to have a little bit of the either ignorance or dumbassery to just simply be able to go, I guess I'm going to do it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. but, it, but it takes those people that believe in you and push you to go, if you don't do this, like, the world will be lesser for you having not done it. And I think that that's a beautiful thing that this film really nails. Yeah. Uh, Kenny added in chat, um, I still say the best scene out of this film is the improv with Matt and Robin. Oh, that is a good one. That is a really good one. Uh, like that one is like, uh, I, I do think it's funny because did you actually know, like I ended up reading what the actual scripted lines were. Oh, really? I'd love to hear that. Yeah. The one of, uh, I think it was a, uh, uh, outstanding screenplays. Sometimes they'll do this cool thing of like showing the actual script versus what was on screen. Uh, Joe, you know the whole thing about Robin Williams doing his improv uh, scene in the therapist room, right? I know a little bit of it, but go ahead. 
Break it, break yeah. it down. Give context to the, to the new I'll people. I'll do that. Absolutely. This is where my uh, hyperfixation comes in. Can't remember my social security number, but I can tell you this shit. And uh, so, uh, like, uh, basically, what happens is they're having this scene where he's basically trying to convey to Will about the idea that, like, it's the imperfections in people that we remember, not their perfections. Mm. That, like, it's the little things that, like... Uh, that are there and in the script it was something like um essentially uh she would always sleep through her alarms she would always something something like that where it was like uh like essentially it was like every time she would wake up and i just wouldn't have the heart to like turn it off for her or things like that and she would just always sleep through it every goddamn day and like which also same and um but what robin williams on the day ended up doing was just like they're in the middle of it and uh, he just goes, you know, my wife used to fart in her sleep and just goes like, and just start, started doing this whole riff about it. And the idea was that like, you know, uh, uh, my favorite thing about it is he's just laughing about like, but you, but the funny thing about it is the, the laughter that Matt Damon has in the scene is genuine. Cause he did not know that was coming. But the best part about it is you'll see the camera bounce up uh, up and down a little bit because oh, that's in the, the movie? in the actual film that's the cameraman the operator is laughing like uh, it's just ever so slightly you'll you'll see it just like up and down just a little bit and like he's like yeah like one time it was so loud it even woke the dog up and it's like and, and then you can even hear it a little bit like matt damon like trying to go along with robin williams's improv where he's like she would like she'd wake up and she's like oh what was that you and then he's like so she woke herself up too like that's how you're <laughs> like it's just when you're like you're going off on like a like a tangent and you're just seeing him laugh and then he goes into what was the scripted part which was oh she's been dead 15 years like she's been dead five years will and that's the shit i remember oh like and he just goes into that stuff and it's such a beautiful scene but that's like again also the golden stuff of like Robin Williams's improv where it's just like that man's mind knew that that works so well because it's a better it's a better scene. Yeah. It's just it's a better scene. And like, I like you that know? it's um it's improv uh not in the way of like uh you know, for example, like you watch a film like Deadpool and you know that half of the dialogue is, you know, improv and it's just funny Ryan Reynolds just riffing shit off the top of his head. But the fact that Robin Williams is able to take a scene like that, add something that is fucking hilarious, but also, yeah, emphasizes and improves uh, upon the original material. Um, and uh, what's the word? Like adds to it as opposed to just, oh, we made it funnier. It's like, it's really emphasizing this point that we we forget... Uh, we love people's imperfections, right? Like at the end of the day, it adds to the like people... narrative value of the story. Yeah, and and perfect yes. people are boring. They don't make for good drama, you know. Like you just you don't you don't watch rom coms about people with secure attachment styles, you know. They gotta be toxic <laughs> or it's not fucking good. I'm sorry. I'm watching uh I'm watching normal people right now with Paul Mescal um and Daisy Edgar Jones, and that is uh from Kit's uh, recommendation, Amiria Place. If you guys are listening, definitely follow uh -huh. that. But um, it is the most frustrating thing ever because you have these two characters that are so beautiful that you watch and you go, they're meant to be together, but they keep fucking it up because neither one of them is taking the time to, you know, do the work and go, 
we, we're going to figure it out. Always one mm-hmm. of them does something stupid or they don't communicate well and you're just like, this is a great drama. And it feels, again, very realistic because it doesn't feel like, um, yeah, like they're going to get through it. <laughs> it's like yeah. in real life, you, you, love is a lie. Keegan, you said you read the actual, the original, uh, the original script for this scene that we're, we were yeah. talking about his monologue. What was the original intention? Do you remember what, like, what well, the, the what the scene intended to do? The scene was, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, the idea was that the scene was basically kind of the same idea was there, which was like, you know, what if uh, uh, the concept of it still being like, what if she's not perfect? What if I'm not perfect? And basically, the main thing that was improv was just Robin Williams kind of going. Um, Instead of it was like he was always supposed to give a little story about his wife. He was always supposed to kind of share with Matt Damon. Hey, here, like basically, um, I believe, again, if I'm not mistaken, what happened was it was supposed to be he was supposed to share that his wife always slept through her alarms, that he would always have to get up and go and turn her alarms off. Oh, like, and that was the original. Script. That was the original lines was supposed to be that story. Uh-huh. And then, and the, then when he was like, that's the, that's, that's the, the change. And then it, it, the same thing of always, it was always like in the script. It was always, she's been dead five years and that's the shit I remember or something like that. Like something to the effect of that. And uh, it, the rest was all scripted. Like the rest of it being like, and I'll tell you what sport, this girl you're looking at, she ain't perfect either. Like that whole thing, yeah. all scripted pay your writers oh it was and only like, a small uh, part that was yeah. actually changed. improv yeah yes but, but it was changed the, the entire scene exactly but it changed the dynamic of like what also i think was also beautiful about that is it gives will the sense of you're seeing will laughing with this guy it changes this whole thing from being like oh that's kind of a thoughtful story to being like he's actually cracking will up it feels like real. will is actually starting <laughs> yeah. to let his guard down a little bit yeah like and and it's like it really has an effective way of of being like we're we're starting to see this this budgeting like this like you know blooming relationship that these guys are having and it, it's starting to show that there's kind of this thing and then you have the great line which is you know um, do you ever think about getting remarried? And then it's the thing about being like, my wife's dead. Hence the term remarried. She's dead. Oh, oh my God. I love that part. It just, and it, then, it puts like a, it, it puts a boundary right there. I, yeah. That's a, I think, and, and then, that's halfway through the film too. So I know I'm cutting yeah, you off. No, you're absolutely right. That's what we do here. That's like, but like, uh, but like, as you're saying, and it's like, it's right there in the film where also, and then it, it also does a great thing because it mirrors their two characters. It's why this film works. Robin Williams is not the perfect mentor. Robin Williams is the guy who's broken in the ways Will's not, and Will's broken in the way he's not. It's, it's, like that. it's, it's, the, it's two people <laughs> that need each other because Robin Williams learns as much from Will as Will learns from him. Like That's one thing that I think people that try to emulate this story forget is that Robin Williams starts off with the idea of like, I'm never going to go put myself back out there. I'm never going to be doing this. My wife died. That's it. That's the end of story. And then it's like, but that's, but by the end of it, he put, he's starting to put himself back out there. And uh, like, that is such an interesting thing. It's a subtle thing with this character, but it shows that he listens to Will just as much. And one of my favorite things is in that scene, he starts off at the beginning of being like, you know, he's like, I think Will says something like, what if she isn't this? Or like, what if she like, you know, 
goes and fucks some other guy and then robin williams says something like oh you know i think that's a great philosophy will that way you can go your entire life without really getting to know anybody and like and then but then at the very end he's like uh you know uh he does the whole my wife's dead and then will goes well i think that's an that's an excellent philosophy sean that way you can just you know go through life without really getting to know anyone and it's just yeah. this perfect button on the scene Bookend, where you yeah. realize that they both are like and that's and as you're saying it's right in that middle part of the film where you realize they're both at a similar place in yeah. life for different reasons and i think that um across uh kind of any story that you're trying to tell uh, even if you think about kind of the simple just you know good versus evil stories that we get through like you know mcu and star wars those kind of things like i feel like at its core to tell something that actually feels impactful like your villain has to learn from your protagonist and vice versa um like that's and again obviously like you know sean here isn't a villain uh and kenny says that robin and will are the best master and apprentice in star wars canon prove me wrong uh which i, think, <laughs> I mean i see it yeah like um but you're absolutely that, right that's cause... going to the question of like uh you know people that would be a uh, jedi in a film like it, like you know people that from non-star wars films that could be jedi of robin williams in this movie like you <laughs> yeah. know like that's 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 honestly probably true well but, it's, it's but to your like, point go ahead um to, to kenny's point as well like that is a big thing as well i mean you look at the dynamics of if we talk about star wars for example and no don't worry i'm not going to do it keegan uh actually you know i am um so if you look at the best <laughs> master it. and apprentice dynamics particularly in the last jedi you've got somebody like luke skywalker who is uh completely completely given up you know he's broken nothing's happening there ray comes and through Ray pushing through and trying to break him and having a bit of back and forth there, it shows Luke that there is more to him than just being the, you know, it's like he looks at this as pressure. Um, and it's kind of teaching him to reframe that, like, he has this opportunity to bring hope to the galaxy. Like, it's not his job. It's, like, something that he gets to do. Um, and that's beautiful that he's able to reframe that and turn around from there. Obviously, vice versa, you've got Ray who learns a lot from Luke um, about, uh you know what the reality of the force is and the jedi and all of these things that she can take away and, and learn from moving forward so um i think that kenny's right i think it is a great master and apprentice <laughs> dynamic uh and i think it very much reminds me more of uh like a qui-gon and obi-wan kind of vibe than a uh, for sure than a luke and uh ray but we gotta we gotta make the connection it's gotta be done absolutely and and joe like uh from your perspective with it uh another another iconic scene in this film which i think is absolutely one of the best scenes i mean arguably one of the best monologues in all of history uh is the scene on the park bench the scene mm, yeah where, you were, we were talking about that earlier yeah and so i'm curious to know kind of your feelings obviously robin williams's character one is best supporting actor like win which completely deserved uh after being nominated for i believe uh good morning vietnam and um uh dead poet society this is his first win and um i haven't seen the other two. Oh my god we gotta watch dead poets and good morning both both those are very good mm. it, it just goes to showing the powerhouse of robin williams but uh i'm curious with your opinion joe on the idea of when you're watching this movie and you get to that scene, you, you want to talk about, like, again, the fucking uh, how can you have conflict through dialogue, right? Like a lot of people always do the show, don't tell. 
But then I look at scenes like this and I'm like, man, you just told it all. Like it, and it worked so much better than if you were trying to show this shit. Like, uh, so I'm curious to know your thoughts on that park bench scene. Well, I mean, if you look at it from, you know, a filmmaker's, you know, perspective, I mean, it, it is, it's all acting, right? But what is acting? I think it's just feeling we're for the first time, you know, we're able to put our wall down. Cause you know, we're seeing, we're seeing this world through Will's eyes, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so this is the first time we're like, God, Will, come on, put your wall down. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Come and on. So, you know? And so, you know, if I remember right, um, we just spend a lot of time watching and listening, which what converts to feeling <laughs> oh, yeah. for, um, for the park bench scene and, and not even the, excuse me, not the feeling for the scene, but feeling for the character, you know? Oh, and so yeah. as, as Robin kind of opens up the gates, you know, we, as the audience start to accept it, but you know, the character still, I think around this, this point in the film, it's still relatively early, like right before the halfway mark. Um, yeah. but you know, from the filmmaker's perspective, you know, that's like the play, that's like the textbook definition yeah. of acting to get, you know, to get that feeling, to, to feel what Robin's feeling, you know? And so for the first time, I think as the audience, we get to step out of the, step out of Will's shoes and jump into Robin's, you know, from the mentor's perspective. And that's when, you know, what you said kind of comes into play. We realize, you know, he's not perfect. <laughs> yeah. He's not, he's not, you know, the perfect mentor, but he's good enough. He, he's, he's just what this guy needs. Yeah, exactly. And so I think, I think you know, when I watch that scene, it's really easy for the audience to feel that, to, mm. to feel what Robin's feeling because it's a tell, don't show. It's a it's a tell yeah. to feel type, you know. And so I, I would I wouldn't use the show don't tell here. Um, yeah. Because like you said, it is a tell all, but the tell all get you to feel just because Robin's so fucking genius. He's you know, so good. Yeah. And I think, you know, I guess that's how I feel about it is for the first time we finally get to feel what he's feeling, you know? Oh, you're absolutely right. And, and I think like going off of that, you have that moment of it's cause it's also contrasted with the scene that happened right before it, right? Like you have kind of the inciting incident, which is the first time these two guys meet, right? Mm -hmm. Like the first time they're having that moment, which is also one of the great conflict scenes. Cause like, it's like for any writer out there it's like watching this scene and watching how they are trying to do this like it's it's a game of tactics it's a game of like will is deflecting but he's like looking it's like i've read your books i've done this i'm gonna demean you i'm gonna do this chess, thing there exactly it's psychological chess and it's that thing of going like you're fighting they're fighting each other in ways of him being like, uh, you know, like him being like, oh, how, like how much you bench? And it's like, uh, you know, how much you bench? Like 385, what do you bench? And it's just that perfect, <laughs> that perfect, like, fuck you without like saying it, like, you know? And it's just like, but then it's so great because it leads up to, you see Will find that button, which is like, maybe you married the wrong woman and it's like, watch it, chief. And you realize it's like, oh, Will's going to go all in on that. Yeah, and then it's and then it's that, but the thing is, it's like, again, as Naf pointed out earlier, it's like, Will is always trying to push people away, trying to get that moment of like, fuck off. You're going to leave me anyway. Like, let's, let's just, you know, rip the bandaid off right here. You know, I remember watching something with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, some interview. Um, and they were talking about how they tried to make the script very, um, 
have a little uh, uh what's the malleable is that what it, where it can it can be placed in any any actor mm -hmm. you know with any street <sighs> cred could get placed in that um and they said they wrote i think it was this scene specifically to get as as a marketing scheme to get a higher a higher end actor in to attract that higher end actor yeah. so they could get the film made and i think i think this was one of the and obviously it worked he won a he won an award for this the, the, there's no other scene in this movie where he did it was this scene that won him uh, oh yeah won him the, the award but i i think i remember hearing something about that which you know kind of goes back to the writing you know you can't really have great acting without great writing absolutely <laughs> i i heard brian cranston say something once that i do agree with which is um an actor he like he said i believe that as an actor i think i can make writing one letter grade better that's it i cannot make a c level script an a level script i can make it a b level i love that but i can't make it an a so it's like a thing of if, if it's a d i can make it a c but i can't i can't i can't do much from there and i'm like i that's i agree I like that I agree with that because then if you have an A writing, I then it's a moment of oh I just hope I do the I do I do this writing justice. Do it justice. Yeah. Like that's like that's how at least Brian Cranston always put it, and I feel like that's the case with a film like this. And I remember hearing the same interview that you're talking about, where it was like Matt Damon and uh you know Affleck are like they wanted they were trying to take the approach that Tarantino did with uh, Reservoir Dogs, which was uh, Tarantino went after Harvey Keitel for Reservoir Dogs. He wrote that part specifically for Harvey Keitel and he ended up getting Harvey on board. And once Harvey Keitel actually was on board, he was able to kind of get the movie to get made. And so they were trying to do the same thing with this role where they were like, if we can write something that we can get somebody on board, then they'll be able to take a chance on unknowns. It's mm -hmm. funny. Like, um, our, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Ben, Ben, like Ben Ashby, him and I are writing something similar where we're trying to take the approach of this film of being like, we want to act in it uh, with a friend of ours, but we need somebody else. We need to write a part that's good enough for someone else to get on board that they can have the star power and they'll take a chance on us. I, I mean, that, and that's just a business move. Uh -huh. That's just a business move, you know? And I think you gotta, there's something you gotta to it. Yeah. But no, I think uh, you know my opinion on this scene is it worked. <laughs> the acting oh, yeah. was fucking brilliant. I think the script writing is is kind of what what drove this scene. Obviously, to even get the attention in the first place, um, to get the yeah. attention of the you know the A list actors to even get the scene. So I'm just I'm just thankful it got made. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like it's one of those scenes that you look at and it's just like I am so glad that other people saw this. Like that other people know this exists and that it actually happened. We yeah. got it. It actually was this whole thing. And you know, another thing that like with this film that I feel is underrated in the way that it's portrayed is Stellan Skarsgård in this movie. Like he plays, you know, the the guy who is the one who gets Matt Damon out of jail and is the one who gets him in touch with Sean in the first place, you know. And Stellan has this moment. Oh, the where professor. He, yeah, the professor, and he's so good in this movie as the kind of quasi antagonist. <laughs> like you know, he he does it, but he does it in a way where what I love about it is they even 
this is where I talk about it as a, I get so mad at this script at some points because I'm like, you're so good. Fuck you. Like just being like, how did you also introduce a subplot where Robin Williams and this guy have beef? And I want to see that story just as much as I want to see w- this story, you know, Dude, but when it, that actually brings something up. One of the things in the beginning was when Matt, the first, in, you know, the first time these guys collide, um, first line he says to him is fuck you <laughs> yeah yeah first line he says to him is fuck you which then you know kind of it lays a little bit of a motif because robin williams is kind of in the same boat like the enemy of my enemy is my friend type of deal yeah also and so that's that's funny it just that kind of just clicked for me after you said yeah. that and it's why you almost saw the reason that like Stellan Skarsgård almost went to Robin Williams. It's almost like, well, listen, I know the other guy that tells me to fuck off. You don't like me either. (laughs) Exactly. So I need somebody who doesn't like me either. And it's this moment of him being like, because also you look at Stellan Skarsgård, who's like, I can't do, like, he has a line in this film that I thought about, like, even as a kid when I watched this movie, I was like, I thought about it a lot, which was this idea where he's like, you know, like, he's like, I'm like Will, Will's like you know I'm sorry that you don't understand this math I really am because I wouldn't have to sit around and watch you fuck it up all the time like you know like he's like do you understand how easy this is for me do you understand this is a fucking joke oh, like and he's and he having that moment but then Stellan after he like burns the paper and Stellan like puts it there and he goes he has that moment where he just looks at Will and he's like he's like you know what I'm sorry too I'm sorry that I there are days where I wish I never even met you because then I wouldn't have to know that someone like you exists. Mm. I, 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 would, I wouldn't have I feel to go over Keegan. here. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> and like, you know, it's just, and then like you say to me, and I wouldn't have to watch you throw it all away. And, you know, just going on, on the goddamn podcast, <laughs> like going just, be, but like, um, I just, I love that scene where he's like, I wouldn't like, it keeps him up at night that, there is this guy who could solve a lot of problems, but he's going to have to watch him throw it all away. Yeah. It's the Peter Parker conundrum. But then, but then even it's contrasted again, (laughs) this is how good this script is. It's then contrasted with the scene that the two, that Robin Williams and him have at the bar where they're like, they're talking about the guy like who, uh, you know, cured polio and talking about how like you know what if this guy was out you know just getting drunk with his buddies on the weekends and then you know robert williams is like but why do you like it's like you know what like he's like why do you think he hangs out with those guys because any one of them would take a bat to your head if they if he asked them to like that's why like because he knows they're not gonna leave him do you understand that and he's like like trying to get it through stellan's head that it's like it's it's not about him. And it's even the concept that like, he talks about how there's a guy who, you know, had brilliant mathematics, you know, uh, you know, he was great at this. Uh, and then he asks him, you know, uh, like who it was. And it's like, it was the Unabomber, the Unabomber, like it was great at all this shit. It's like, this is not like, get your head out of this idea. Like we got to make sure that this kid is going to be fine. It's not just about him like you know having good being good at mathematics yeah. it's like he has to have it's, a life like he has to be okay it's this idea of a couple of things that i want to touch on there because i think that's really beautiful and one of them is um 
there's this this concept of everybody feeling constantly like they should be striving towards like their potential and like reaching their potential all the time and it's like this never-ending game because you know you hit that and you chase the next thing and then you hit that and you chase the next thing and it's like at the end of the day um Stellan Skarsgård's character uh finds Will and is helping Will out of the kindness of his heart but it's, it's it's a selfish act like he's doing it for himself um and putting him together with Robin Williams character with Sean um you realize that the difference between these two characters is one cares about how will impacts his life and the other just wants will to have the best life possible um and it's also this idea that that comes up uh, often in real life for us humans as well it's this idea that like if you love someone or something so much all you want is what's best for them right and if you know for example you look at for example the perspective of like a relationship right that you love somebody and then you know what's best for them is hypothetically let's say not being with you then like there's got to be enough love to go like okay you need to do what's best for you and i love you for wanting to do that and you see that come through in a lot of Ron williams uh interactions with will where you know maybe not necessarily like love because they don't really like know each other all that well but there is this like profound appreciation and uh like kind of intimacy between Respect. these two yeah like like grown men essentially who <laughs> yeah just somehow in a roundabout way just are invested in each other having the best for themselves in a way that they don't even really know. You know, I don't think that Will, when he's asking questions like that to Sean, is coming from a place of like, <laughs> this question's going to get him pondering and I hope he gets back out on the dating scene and grieves his wife properly and lives a happy life. Like, he's not thinking that. But the way that the brain acts subconsciously, it like, that... That, that's yeah. the brilliance of this film, right? It's all subtext. It's all hidden in there where you're like, this person, Will, isn't the person who should be acting like this or doing these kind of things, but somehow he does. Why? Yeah. And, and, and going off of what you're saying, it's this concept of like, you're watching Robin Williams and he has those moments where he talks to Will about, you know, the idea of, like again it's that as you're saying it's 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 having the love to be uh, of someone to be able to not again we're even forgetting about the mini driver character who does such a great job at that like the girlfriend being the concept of talking to will about being like you know there's a classic plot point in this film that is used in a really interesting way of typically you know the whole thing about oh matt damon lies that he has brothers you know he lies he lies about the fact that he has that you know that comes up at some point where she's like you know i want to meet your like i want to meet like i want to meet your brothers and then later on in the film you realize she's known that the brothers aren't a thing for a bit but it's like it's basically like calling him out being like he's like what have i not been truthful what about your what about your 10 brothers and you know just kind of this whole thing there and it's like yeah dude like, and and now that dude, you fucking you making me think, bro. Um, and and so when there's a line where he says, "Okay, what are the names?" He's like, uh, "Jackie, Market, Ricky, Dicky, Dog, Dog." He says all ten, and she goes, "Say it again." And he does. That's that's how that's how thick of a wall he has up is that he can say it again. Yeah, yeah. dude, and that's crazy. Um, I think that one of the things that uh that I've been exploring is like this concept of like, so this is wild, right? So I've been exploring this concept of like attachment styles as a, like a, in, in like psychology, right? And it's about how uh, different people and the way they were raised determines essentially how they love other people. And the idea is that you fall into a bunch of different categories. And these days, as I watch films, I'm like, Ooh, I know what attachment style he has. And it's crazy <laughs> that uh, like will as a character aligns so much with this like avoidant style, which is essentially like, 
you know, somebody who does crave like intimacy and connection with people, but is so terrified by the vulnerability vulnerability that that brings from going, oh, if I let her in, she can hurt me, so I'm just going to keep the wall up all the time. That again, obviously, it makes for great drama. So like, great work, psychologists. But um, yeah, it's like through his sessions with Sean, it's him being able to overcome that and be able to look at the world as like a, you know, I suppose like glass half full instead of glass half empty, if you want to simplify it so much. Um, it's like, yeah, you know, big love equals big pain, right? Because at the end of the day, um, if you, it's like, if you uh, love someone a lot, eventually, you know, one of two things is going to happen, right? You're going to break up or they're going to pass away. Like either way, you're going to be sad. Like that's, that's the, the yeah, crux of yeah. it all. A morbid reality, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But, and again, this is a, uh, one of the lines that I think everybody always agrees with, but not necessarily in this film, but outside of it. Uh, and it's from WandaVision, you know? Like, what is what is grief, if not love, persevering? And it's this concept that uh, that Will has to kind of wrap his head around that, like, you know what, this person might hurt me, but, like, am I going to be grateful for the time that I got and being able to spend it with this beautiful, amazing person and be amazed by them and get to share life with them? Like, that is well, huge. And- and then to to that point, like one of the things that I love about the Minnie Driver character is she easily could have been the you lied to me, fuck you. She knows why he's doing it to a degree. Like she knows it's not because of like, you know, oh, he is um, oh, he's deliberately trying to hurt her. It's like you're clearly hiding something. What I need you to understand is I am here. I love you. And I, and again, I love her line. She has a great line where she goes, um, you know, uh, you're afraid. You're afraid to love me because I may not love you back. But guess what? I'm afraid too. But fuck it, I want to give it a shot. Like, she just has a great delivery on that where it just, it really goes down to the base level of taking that step. Yeah. Taking the step of, fuck it, I want to try. And I love what that what this film does in that regard because it's so it just it really boils it down to, in my opinion, something that is relatable, is honest, and is truthful to kind of I feel like the human experience, you know, right? Like where I feel like we all have that feeling of let me let my guard down mm-hmm. and I wanna try. I really want to try. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, as humans, uh, we are all taught throughout our childhood and growing up um, kind of subconsciously to avoid pain or potential pain. You know, like your body knows when pain is coming and it prompts you to get away from that pain. Um, And to kind of fight against that for the potential on the other side is like it feels unnatural for a lot of people you know um particularly those that have had like a difficult like upbringing you know like when you go the oh, yeah that the people that were meant to be the closest to me and love me unconditionally couldn't so why is this random person that i met in a bar one night capable of doing that if my parents can't right that like this is what's going yeah. on in his brain man like it's and it's painful like how can you not um yeah like how can you not be heartbroken at that concept uh it makes it really difficult and it's it's the human condition <laughs> at the end of the day it's what we're all working towards is is getting to that point where well, you can uh, try yeah well what and when you kind of realize that's what he's saying and i think this film does a really good job when you do look at it from and therapy being such a big part of this movie it is one of those things of like when you see that moment with him and him having this moment of pushing people away and him 
I mean, it all comes down to that, the uh, it's not your fault scene, where it's that moment of what it really meant to Will to hear the words, it's not your fault. And him, you just, and, and Matt Damon, like, that is a scene that, Joe, I feel like you could probably relate to this. I don't know if you, you feel this, but there are times when I'll write something and I'll be like, this can either be brilliant or shit. There's no in between. Like this is like there, there, there is this. This rides purely on being able to do this, or like, and it's that moment of like when you're watching Matt Damon do that scene, and he starts off, he's like, "Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Like, what what are you doing?" And then as he continues to say it, it's like you see him get angry for a second. He's like. No, don't you do it, Sean. Not you. It's that arrow. It's that piercing. It goes right and past then, all fucking yeah. guard. And then he just lets it all out. And it's so authentic. Like, this is one of those things where I go, we forget sometimes, like, how good an actor Matt fucking Damon is. Mm. Like, when you see this movie, I'm like, this guy is so good. Like, and then you the, watch the, the great raw. He had some missteps. But like, you know, just like and everybody has a bad day at the office, you know, um, <laughs> it was a bad year know? at the office filming the Great Wall. Fair enough. It, 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 yeah, for sure. Uh, but like, it's one of those things where you see that. And I think that that is just such a brilliant addition in this movie is like that moment and you're seeing it and the authenticity of it. Mm. And it it hurts. It aches. But it's the right thing for that moment of the two of them. And uh, fuck it. I love it. I yeah, love you it. Know, in the, in the, you know what's cool about that scene, too? is Because that comes later at the later, you know, towards the end of the movie. Because um, that is the scene where he, the walls are forced down. He, he, let, you know, he lets them down. He lets everything out. But right before he does that, too, he tries to kick him out. He tries to kick Will out. And, yeah. and for the first he time, you know, up, Will's, yeah. yeah, he's like, dude, you ain't even trying. Get the fuck out, is what he says yeah. to what he says to Will. And Will's like, dude, what are you doing? We're friends. That attachment style that you were talking about kicks back in. But this time it's not, you know, the attachment style pushing people away. He was trying to pull them closer. And so yeah. it's like without, without Robin, obviously, you know, in hindsight, obviously it's not possible. But in this scene specifically, there's a physical, there's a physical, physical momentum that's that's Mm. pushing him pushing those walls down and you can see it when robin just tries to kick him out like dude get out you're wasting my time he's like what what do you mean i'm wasting for the first (laughs) time for the first time he doesn't want to let go and it's interesting that you say that because it um (sighs) it triggers within him again that that fear right because essentially what's been happening is if we talk about the way that that attachment style works right he's there and he's not letting him in and he's got his guard up and of course there's a piece of him that goes i'm scared that even with this therapist if i open up you know he's gonna fucking tear me to pieces or tell me what's what oh it's like he's terrified but slowly through them sort of getting to that point um he has unwittingly like left let uh sean in right to the point where now he is actually unsafe with this person and when that person pulls away it's almost like activated out of going fuck i was right this is why we don't let people in because it hurts me but obviously yeah his reaction to that is that sort of change that shows that there's a little bit of growth there where he's moved from this kind of avoidance stage to he's in like this disorganized part where he's got some anxiety around now i'm connected to somebody and i don't want to lose them 
um, it's yeah, like it all every single uh, decision that he makes as a character for himself comes out of a place of fear uh, for everything. Um, he's just a terrified little baby boy. Yeah, and and, and with that, at like going even further with it, like your point of these two guys just like having that attachment style it's also what is that scene about where he kicks him out it's the whole thing is he asks him a very and he says this great line where he's like he's just like what do you want you are bound by nothing what do you want like because he's also trying to get to the core of what you know stellan skarsgård is trying to like he's basically being like listen if you want the mathematics i am going to support you but I don't want to force you into a position of something that you don't want to do. Mm. I I care about you. It's the same thing that Ben Affleck says to him later. Where it's like, bitch, I care about you. And it's like, uh, it's the thing of, uh, like, I'm, I'm your friend, asshole. Like, and you know, uh, that's what it is. And him having that moment where, and then Will goes, you know, I want to be a shepherd. You know, I want to be a shepherd. Like, you know, and it's that whole thing of like, Great, and then the Robin Williams has a great line where it's like, "Listen, if you're gonna jerk, if you're gonna like, if you're gonna jerk off, why don't you do it at home with a moist towel?" Like, and it's like, and it's just like, it's just such a good line where it's just like, it's it, that I, chest again. It's the yeah, because he picks up on it. Will picks up on it, and that's I think that's when it starts kicking up too. Is that mm -hmm. now he sees the moves? Now he sees the reality of the situation, given you know. Robin Williams playing his he's playing his game back at him. Nobody can compete on that level with him. Mm. Except, yeah. you know, except Robin. So I, I I think that, you know, comes back to what you were saying is that the everything that Will had, uh Rob did uh uh Robin didn't, everything that Rob had Will didn't, and that's what you know what made it work. And that's that's the with it, like you you look at those and what I love about this film, what I keep coming back to with it is that moment because even he says in that scene and you really start to see will reach this point in desperation if you're talking about as a writer what tactics is will trying to use to get to the point will is trying to go uh essentially go uh you know the whole fuck you i don't want to get out i want to get out of here but he starts going what like you're gonna come over here and you're gonna talk about me look at you he says like look at you you fucking burnout forced his ass <laughs> like yeah and he goes exactly and it's the whole thing of look at you you burnout like you're trying to go over there like you know uh you know what happened to your wife like she's she's dead it's like yeah she's dead but you know there's plenty of people out there that die and a lot of them have the sack to annie up again and he goes like and it's that moment of, and he's like, well, at least I played a hand. And he goes, and you know, uh, it's like, yeah, you played a hand and you lost that hand. But then there are people that will actually get the balls to go and ante up again and put the cards back out there. And then he I'm goes, actually reading the script as you say that. Yeah, right. Yes. And he has that. Good work. And he well, has that. Pretty on point. Oh, hey, listen, man. Like I said, can't remember my social security number, That's but I can remember this memory. shit. For yeah, man. Numbers. <laughs> man, listen, I don't, I yeah, fucking, I was terrible at math, but this shit, I got it in the can. Uh, again, proving the point that ADHD people, it's not about, it's not about, uh, we don't remember shit. We remember shit we care about. And it's, uh, but the thing is that what I love about that scene is that moment where he goes, listen to me, what do you want to do? See, there you go. You have a bullshit answer for everybody else. But when I ask you a, a very simple question, you can't give me a straight answer. And he just is like, and it's that moment of, 
it will has to think about it. and then the whole moment with skylar happens yeah and then he has the moment with affleck and then that's kind of what leads into i think the revelation in the office is kind of this moment of it's it's all leading to this point of i i i, I don't know what i want to do i don't know this moment and it's it's beautiful and it's just so tragic, but it's also like it has just this optimism to it of like the film doesn't I feel like the film doesn't at any point talk to talk down to you. Yeah. Or or it doesn't ever also downplay the subject matter it's talking about. Hmm. It's like, no, Will was fucking stabbed. Like Will is traumatized of course he would have this attitude it's just it's it, it the film is so good at justifying every decision it makes yeah and and you know what when, when you look back at it you know going off what you said you don't need a character to do that you don't need yeah. a character to to shame that or, or downplay any of that every every single character in this movie was kind of a Taking Will from one point to the next. Yeah. Friend, girlfriend, um, Robin, the the professor. I think you know, you don't need to do that. You don't need to shit more on him because you know it's it's just it, it's naturally played out, <laughs> you know, all the way through. So it's it's funny you see He that. does enough he does enough to himself. Like, you know, and it's the it that's the funny thing about it too, is everybody and what I love about this film is everybody has a purpose and everybody has a point. Like Stellan Skarsgård is, to his own degree, right about, yeah, this guy is directionless and this guy is brilliant. It would be a real shame if the world did not benefit from what this guy has to offer the world. I can't do it. Other people can, can't do it, but this guy could. Mm, what? Yeah, the problem is, yeah, he tried to coerce that. And I think naturally yeah. that's what creates a great great field of of play it's like everyone is Ex a little bit right and you're kind of like oh, where are we at but i think that's something that's really interesting about the way that you explain that 2k is this idea that Stellan skarsgård is looking at this kid and going like you know like he could do a lot for the world but he looks at what can this guy do for the world from like my point of view as opposed to like will you know at the end of the day um sometimes uh all you need to put out into the universe and the world is just love like i guess you know like it's like if that's if that's where he makes the big impact on the world like his impact on the world is how much he improves skylar's life by them having the chance to be together it's like that that's enough like you are enough as is you don't have to be doing more than just what makes you happy well yeah and it's it's kind of even the concept of with uh you know his friends right like or going back to the the affleck scene which i think is the best ex explanation of it of this thing is it's like listen and i think affleck's intention is yes he does bring up the science stuff being like no nah, bitch you don't know what to yourself you owe it to me mm. and it's like you know because i would do anything to have what you got and the thing i think that he really means by that is bitch i don't care if you do do this stuff all i want you to do is use what you got yeah like, don't be afraid to do it. If you choose to do it, that's a different story. But but if you're afraid to do it, that's the thing I got a problem with. Mm. And that's the and that, that's what I feel like that because I feel like he if, if he chose to stay there and like stay in town, 
but he put his smarts to good use. Ben Affleck would have no fucking problem with that. The problem he has is that his friend continuously throws away the gifts that he has. Mm. It's the idea of like, I like the the thing of like uh joey there's a couple of people like we went to college with where i'm like i i love them as creators and it's like when i see them use that gift i'm like man i don't care if you do that for tiktok you do that for this stuff if you're creating you're just giving to the world the stuff that you have what i got a problem with is if you're afraid to succeed because you will yeah like if you're afraid to put yourself out there and take risks i got a problem with that like that's that's where like me as Which, a person yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah no i agree and i was just gonna add to that as well uh okay uh without the intention of cutting you off just this idea that like even now what 20 years later almost <laughs> what, 15 years past this film coming out no what is it 1998 to 2023 so it's yeah 25 years after this film came out um Damn. like that that still rings so true that each one of even us three i'm sure have felt that at some point um this idea that like yeah cool like there's stuff that you probably can do but almost for fear of achieving you don't do it like what what if it does work yeah. like why are you scared of the good stuff <laughs> yeah um it's like you know it's the idea you know you will you will fail along the way but eventually it'll happen um if you stick to it like time is um your ally essentially you know i have a question for both of you how much of it would you think is fear and how much of it do you think is laziness i think it's all fear all fear no laziness all fear i think that in um, in, in the case of good in the case of yeah, good hunting i think that it's like sure it's something that's viewed as laziness because somebody goes uh -huh. why wouldn't you if you can right that's that's the question um and that's right. So we are, when we ask that question, what is the answer? Is it because I'm lazy? Um, or is there something else deeper at play? You know, you've got somebody who's so, so smart, but his entire life somehow, um, even though he's been around people that have been, you know, uh, what's the word? Like pushing him forward and telling him, you know, like, I, I want you to be better, all this kind of stuff. He's found that like the only way that he sees his value for himself is within, uh, you know, his his friend group and uh, basically his his hard exterior shell, his, his persona there. Um, he doesn't see that in, in his uh, capacity or his potential. Uh, and so when I start to really ask the question of what, like, why wouldn't he? Um, I think that there's uh, a comfort that exists in the life that he has now where he feels like, why change if changing is scary and could potentially go the wrong way when I can just stay right now where I'm comfortable and I don't necessarily have any issues? You know, things aren't perfect, but my life is fine. I don't, I don't care. Um, he's kind of reserved to that. That's that's my take anyway. Yeah, and, and I, I don't. I think that you're pretty much on the money. I think it also depends on what field we're talking about. Mm. I think with mathematics, like if we're talking about the mathematics portion, I think it echoes to two scenes. One scene with Skylar, where Skylar is like, like they're sitting out at like a park bench or something like that. They're sitting out like they're getting coffee or something like that, basically doing a date while she's got to study. And she's doing like her work and he's like, do you need help with that? Like, do you need like, do, do you need help with that? And she's like, no, you know, it's actually important that I learn this. Like, cause this is actually really fucking hard for people. And then basically yeah. she questions him. She's like, do you have a photographic memory? And he's like, no, I just, and, and basically he tries to explain it, which I think is the best explanation of creativity and, um, also, I think it's also great to the point of Naf, you brought up the concept of um, 
like neurospicy and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's the concept of hyperfixation, right? Where he talks about how you play the piano, right? And she's like, and he's like, I'm trying to explain it to you. When Beethoven looked at the piano, he saw things, he saw music, he saw this and he could play. When I look at a piano, I see a box of wood. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to play. But with mathematics, with this shit, I could just play. And yeah. I think that that's kind of to me, I think that when it comes to mathematics, I don't I think it, I, I don't know if it's even fear. I think it's a thing of he finds it almost like a hobby. Like that's it's kind of the thing of you're great at, but you don't want to make it a career because you enjoy it too much to make it a career almost. I like that. Yeah. Like and I feel but I feel like to your point about him advancing as a person. For sure it's all fear. I, I want to like add one extra thing... layer to that as well, actually. Um Okay, please. It it's just as you were saying it, I was recognizing that like I feel like Will has a lot of that, but there's also like this is kind of like how he gets back at the world. Like he's angry at the world for the life that he's had so far and how difficult it's been for him. And so there's almost like this subconscious feeling of I could do X, Y, Z and make the world a better place. But like, fuck you. You don't deserve me. You've given me shit this whole time. And so it's like this, this, what's the word? Um, how he basically has removed himself from that situation is him clapping back at the universe and being like, fuck you. Um, I didn't deserve this and I made it out the other side myself and now you don't deserve what I was able to do for myself because you didn't do anything for me. And I think that is another huge element of, of his pain. What do you think? What do you think, Joe? Like, I'm curious to know your thoughts on it as well. In terms of in terms of fear? Yeah, like, do you think that, like, it's more fear or do you think that it is more like... Uh, what are the driving like factors this- for Will, do you feel? Because well, I feel it, I feel often laziness is more just you're not interested. The reason I asked it was because I we you had said they don't downplay his situation at all. And I think if they would have brought in the lazy conversation, it would have downplayed the situation. Yes. And so that's kind of where my question came from was if you guys even saw that at all. And so it it didn't. It, you guys didn't you didn't see that at all, which goes to show the script the acting the story was so well driven in 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 that direction of of fear fear was the novelty that there there was no reason to, there, it just kind yeah. of goes back to our point that you know it, there was no reason to downplay as far as what i think um all fear driven i don't mm-hmm. think there was laziness i think there was uh maybe instances where you could play the lazy card but they were so minute to you know the overall story that it just didn't make sense mm. yeah. um I think but go ahead i was just gonna say that on that point that it's like it, it almost seems like laziness is uh less of like the driver i suppose and more of like the side effect it's like because of the anger yeah. and the fear then oh, it presents like it presents as laziness um which again like we were talking before with a lot of people who are um uh, neurodiverse as well this is a really common thing that you know they're told through high school like you're lazy you're not like this you're not that you're not the other like through life it's people that can't uh like i suppose function in the way that society expects them to it doesn't necessarily come from uh, like a bad character flaw it's like it, there's something deeper at play here and so yeah i think that that's the key differentiator that it's like i don't know if the question is right in terms of is it fear or is it laziness it's like it's laziness because of fear and laziness because of angry like it's 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 
um, yeah, the side effects, I think. Yeah, it's well, like the, going, the going, there. go yeah, ahead. But uh, like even going further with that point now, what is one of the scenes that I think what you could argue that point the best, which is the scene where he which is also one of the funniest scenes in the film, sending Affleck to do his interview oh, that brilliant. one time in the film when it's like, now nah, I didn't say that. What I'm saying is that your offer would be a lot better received if I had $200 in my pocket right now. <laughs> like, you know, like just kind of a thing there. But I think that the, when you look at that scene, what is the truth behind it? The truth is Damon didn't really want the job. The truth is Damon didn't want that, Out whether that's out of fear, out of a general, this isn't what I want to do. That's up for debate. But the symptom is that, like, it will be seen as you're lazy for, like, in, I think even Stellan Skarsgård may have even said that, like, being like, you show up, it makes me look bad. And also, it has consequence. So it's a thing of being like, you make me look bad, you do that. And he's like, I'm sorry, I, I had something I couldn't get around with it. Like, the commute is there. And I think the point is, you see with Will, even before he goes and meets with Robin, you see him just flipping through the book and you see him like basically doing like the speed read of the book. So it's like, he put in the work. He went and fucking saw out that book and he, he did that. So it's not laziness because he mm. clearly is putting in the work, but it's more like he, he won't put in the work where he has, I think a fear of failure Yeah, to a degree or like a fear of abandonment. Or yep. things like that, and and a fear of success and the pressure that comes from having to maintain the success, like it, you know? which are all the moti motives that we've picked up on throughout the film, anyway. I think that exactly. is the mark of what makes this film such a brilliant work of art. That in what pulling apart, not even like scenes, but like the vibe of the characters, we can go for an hour and a half and talk in deep. And Kenny called it out in um chat as well, which uh, I want to call out as well because it's really great feedback but he says uh um that this is getting really deep holy crap great podcast guys <laughs> um <laughs> hey, and well, it's like, yeah you know the reality is you couldn't do that without a script or a story that calls for it uh without characters which is what i was gonna like, this deep yeah. go joey are they thinking about that shit when they're writing because they know, have if they to are, I think that how, it comes how down do to you that even come up that, with that shit? <laughs> the thing that me and Keegan always come back to, uh, which I think is beautiful, is this concept of um, if you think it's that deep, then it's that deep. Um, it's as deep as you want it to be. If it's surface level for you, it's uh, and he's lazy, then beautiful. He's lazy. If it's like deeper yeah. to the point where it teaches you things about your core beliefs about yourself, like okay, we watched this movie at a point in my life where I was going through transition, and this has been like insane for me like huge learning coming out the other side of me going like I, I i relate to this character so much so many aspects of his life that um it's driven me outside of the film to make like change adjustments yeah, yeah and learn Take from action. it yeah. which, like what how often does that happen um Not and kenny says this enough. is why we need to pay the writers and actors my point exactly <laughs> like you know what i mean like the point the point is that like when you watch a film like this everything seems to be thought about at the very mm -hmm. least they lure you into a false assumption if let's say it wasn't like they lured you in with enough of an assumption that they paid attention to it yeah that basically i i assume every point in this was made 
by choice. Like I know that some of the stuff was improv or things of that. Joey, we've worked on enough film sets to know that not everything was thought about probably, but at least in the writing of this film, everything is there. It's like a play. You're not relying on these amazing set pieces. You're relying on the story. You're relying on the narrative, the characters. All of this is consistent. Each theme, each character is about this idea of, you know, Skylar has a past. Her father died. And she has that thing of, like, Will coming from nothing, always assuming that, like, oh, this person that comes from money is doing this. And she's like, bitch, don't you think that I would get, like, you? what is your obsession with this money? Don't you think that I would, what I would give to have one more day, I would give up all of this to have one more day with my dad. And I mean, like, I fucking relate to that where I'm like, I'm like with my mom dying. I'm like, listen, I, I have a moment of looking at that film and I listen to that line and it's like, yeah, did I get some inheritance money out of it? Yeah. But I lost a parent for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Like yeah. all the times that people are going to have that, I won't. <clears throat> and it's a thing of like, you look at those moments in this film, her character, even just having a little bit of that, it took the writers to think of that. That's not improv. It took writers to actually put that part on paper to be able to go, we got to think through this character. We got to yeah. think through why she is the way that she is and how does that relate to the overall theme of the story? She is pushing forward with her dreams. She has a want. She has a desire. Yeah. It's will that comes in and she is willing to do the, I got to see about a girl. She's doing that with him. She is doing that whole thing of, I got to see about this guy. Like, she didn't have to go up to him after that whole scene in the bar, but she did. Yeah. And she is almost doing everything that Robin Williams is saying Will should do. But she's almost that kind of lens, and she's like the, what are you so afraid of? And she's she's willing to meet him even where, like, he's not willing to go himself. Uh-huh. Willing. And, like, you know, in, in a beautiful way of basically saying, I know you lied to me. But here's the thing. I fucking love you. And I, I don't it. give a shit. I understand why. It's, it's, I, 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 and it's funny that, like, uh, where we dive into the conversation around, like, you know, let's look at, like, their, for example, attachment styles and things, right? Like, it's, she's a lot more secure than he is. And often what comes up these days is people will say that if you have an insecure attachment style and you come across somebody that has a secure one, that will actually trigger you more <laughs> because it's so uncomfortable to have somebody so emotionally available, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, for sure. So like, this must be terrifying for him. And it's, it's. I think that to your point around like, were they thinking this? You know, like these concepts that we're talking about now are things that are more like recent psychology, not like '90s psychology. Um, but it's like, it's, it's designed to give a name and explanation to things that were part of the human experience like forever. Uh, and so it just goes to show that like these guys are looking at this and writing this through a lens of maybe they're not sitting there going like, man, I'm going to write a fantastic story about somebody overcoming their attachment style issues, but, um, just going, this is what it's like to be human. Um, and then it comes across in a way that is, like I said, really profound and deep and, uh, has so, so many layers to it. Um, because it's, it's real. That's, that's what it is. The film yeah. feels real. It doesn't feel faked, uh, which like we were saying, a story like this about a damaged kid trying to be a who's a genius that doesn't want to work could come across fake. Like, you know, you made that again now, it probably wouldn't resonate the same way. It's it's really odd that way, where like as you just said, yeah, the premise of this film could easily be put off as oh my god, boo hoo, this guy is a genius and no one sees it. Like, you know, like 
it, it easily could come off that way, but it's not. Yeah. This film is, I would argue, just as relevant today as it was when it came out, mm. if not more so. Well, yeah, I'd agree. That, like, the, the nuances of this are so ahead of its time. Yeah. That it le- it lends itself to these in-depth, in-depth discussions. Yeah. And, and it also goes, and, you know, this is the thing about that period in history, like that period of the 90s in film. It's similar to the 70s. I would argue we're still experiencing this now. The thing is, this was when different voices were starting to be able to do indie shit. Mm. voices were able to come out of the ether because access was opening. It wasn't where people weren't cornering the market. It was, we were starting to see avenues where different voices that before would never have been seen are now starting to actually come about at this time. That was where you got Spike Lee. You got Tarantino. You got Paul Thomas Anderson. You got, um, again, you got fucking um, uh, like Damon and uh, Affleck here. And you're getting all of these stories. And then now a days, Joey, we could go and grab a, like go and get, grab Alex and people and go and rent some equipment and we can make a feature tomorrow. Like that is how cool filmmaking has gotten is that you don't have to go and film this on film. You can, again, Tangerine people like that. Like you can go and take your iPhone and go and film something the 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 cool thing about the making of this film is it continues to prove story is king writing is king this film it's not the best shot film ever its cinematography is very good and very simple and very effective very natural but it doesn't have to be roger deakins 1917 to be good the story is what fucking rules yeah. about this movie and the execution of that and that's my key with anything is i'm like that is what will save you at the end of the day you can have bad effects you can have things like that you can have bad shit like that but if you have a good story that's what people will walk away with here here hey man you know what i mean way to put a bow tie on that (laughs) yeah it is actually um, nice yeah like we've covered the majority of the film um like through here which is great and it like we said obviously a fantastic film to bring along with you too uh joey like a a incredible watch for me for the first time and again something that even post talking about this i go god damn it i'm gonna watch it again like tomorrow (laughs) i do movie nights with my friends at my house every monday (laughs) and i'm like maybe i just put on goodwill hunting maybe we just do that yeah just just to make like kill two birds with one stone in that regard yeah absolutely uh but uh, as we look to maybe wrap up a little bit do you guys have any absolutely final thoughts like joey anything you want to tell us no dude if i can you know like i said the beginning one of the you know in my situation finding people who can one watch the films with me (laughs) (laughs) right but to actually you know go into those conversations and explore some of those concepts so those themes those ideologies you know that's very rare to find where i'm at you know here in person so you know just to thank you for having me on and you know let me listen to how you guys think about this shit and and you know it obviously is important to you and so it's important to me too and so you know that connection is made so yeah thanks for having me thanks for I felt like an audience member listening to you two. <laughs> Even though I'm on the show, I see I'm right there. You know, so it's very um, interesting and, and I'm on the Darth Man eighty six. I'm with him, dude. You know, I can't wait, you know, to watch another one of these with you know some of the hopefully you know, some more films that I like come up. But yeah, yeah. Dude, this was entertaining as hell. 
Awesome, oh, man. man. Well, uh, we really appreciate it. having you on. And obviously as an audience member and also to be able to have your <laughs> point of view here too, right? Like, I guess that's the, the yeah. difficult thing about a, uh, a film podcast is this idea that like, man, all of us are in the same wavelength and we all love talking about it so much that it's so easy to bounce back and forth. And that's, that's why we do this at the end of the day because, you know, it's like, I think exactly what you're feeling is my life here. Like, I have friends that I do movie nights with on Monday, but they don't necessarily want to sit and talk about it for an hour and a half after it's done. Like, it's just kind of like, oh, cool, we watched the movie. We're going to go home now. That was that was good. Yeah, let's move on. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's where, like, Kay and I connected really well as well. This is this idea that, like, you know, he was saying that, you know, he loves doing this and his, like, partner loves movies as well. But at the same time, maybe they just want to talk about it as in-depth as you do. So he'll finish a movie and yeah. then he'll call me and we've got it. It's like, yes, bro, I'm wired in. <laughs> Yeah, I want to talk. I like. I want to talk about the philosophy of this. I want to talk about the contrasting ideals of these two characters. Let's talk about how they compare and contrast as we go through this thing. It's like Keegan. It was just a Marvel movie. We don't have to talk about it like this. <laughs> like you they know? don't. They don't. Something I've realized is is you know with us, we like to know how and why it works. Mm. And and they're just there. A lot of people are, and that's the industry there to be entertained, right? It's the entertainment industry, but. You know, there's just something about knowing how it works, why it works, and when it works mm. that kind of just, you know, gives me a hard on for film, dude. Yeah, I'm just, I, and that's I the, agree. How, how it's built. That's the mentality it's, it's, that drives me through so much of this as well. And even the mentality that was able to get me, like, into, like, horror films last year for the first time where I was like, I just, I'll never do it. I can't do it. It made me so uncomfortable. Was, and then somehow there was this, this switch that flipped where I was just kind of like, I feel like if I'm so scared of horror films, maybe I could like make a really good one. So maybe I could just, I could just watch it with the intent of learning how I could make a good horror film and watching things and just like I don't know. Somehow it's like it's not as scary to me anymore uh, because I'm watching it. And I'm but like, it's what are they progressive. doing? Oh, I can see what yeah. they're doing here. This is cheeky. Like I can feel. The, yeah, it just is. Uh, it's it's great. It's so wonderful. To yeah, when we get to like when we get to like September, October, you and I are going to have to do that because then we'll just be the yet. two. Yeah, we got to do that because I I'm I'm on your same wavelength there yeah. of uh, the we issues there. Face. Oh, there we go. Joey's back, though. Oh, I see. Yeah, you're good. Yep, you're, back. you're good. You're back now. Uh, there we go. But to your uh, but to your point, like one of the things that I, I I was asked by somebody at some point being like, now that you work in film, does it ruin it for you? Like, does it um, does it like does that ruin it? And I say no, because the way I put it is, you go from being an audience member at a magic show to being a magician at a good magic show. Where it's like the idea is that you get a different type of enjoyment out of it. When a magician is able to fool another magician, you have so much respect for that because you're like, how the fuck did you do that? Yeah. That's why you need to have the crew. You need to have the people uh -huh. be surrounded by the people. Absolutely. And it, it takes everybody. It takes everybody being creative. Again, Gus Van Sant doing this film as the director he he could have done stuff that was a lot more invasive with the directing instead of how I felt like he did it, which was, I just want to let this play out. I just want to let, like, that's why the shots are very much long takes. It's about letting us live and breathe with these actors. It yeah. was more like a play than it yeah. was a, a, like, a, a film. But it was still engaging and it was still right and it was still dynamic, but it was like, you really felt lived in 
And, but as, as you're saying, Joey, it takes all kinds of kinds. And that's the thing. It's like that I feel people will neglect. And it's why these people deserve to make a fair wage. These are the why, like writers, actors, IOTSI did their contract a while ago, where it's like the crew members are doing that whole thing too. It's like, listen, everybody's important. Everybody contributes to the magic. And when you get a film like this, it's, it is not just because of the writers. It's not just because of the actors. It's everybody involved. And it's an incredible team. And that's why this shit is awesome. And when it actually works, when you realize how hard it is to make a good movie, you get a, movie. a moment. Even a bad movie. Exactly. It's a miracle that anything gets <laughs> just put the first step, ever. man. The first step. The first step is actually making a movie. Whether it's good or not, that's up to that. I don't know. But like, you know, just sort of like, it's like, it's... It's insane. And that's why when I really love calling out when we have shit like this, because it's because it's beautiful and it's worth celebrating yeah. and it's worth talking about it for uh, for like uh, an hour, hour 30. Yeah. yeah, it's it's worth doing it because it deserves it. Yeah. And yeah. But that's my two cents. Naf, do you have anything kind of wrapping up? Any any thoughts on the the final thoughts on this film? No, I think I've gotten like most of my verbal diarrhea out, uh, which was lovely. <laughs> so thank you for paying attention. Um, but you guys can find our episodes available to listen on Spotify, uh, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Um, uh, obviously on on demand. Um, you can follow one with the films on YouTube and subscribe to us so you can see any other content that's coming out uh, besides just the live uh, stuff. Um, and then we're available across TikTok, Twitter, um, and uh, Instagram as well. So you can follow us there and uh, get a bit of a vibe for what's happening in our world right now. And we've got a few more episodes coming up over the next few weeks, which we're really excited about. Um, did we lock in next week's, Kay? Um, like, do you want to announce that now? Uh, yes. Uh, like, we'll, we'll kind of say, like, right now, uh, ne- next week. Uh, right now, we're set up with, uh, we're doing Devil's Advocate with uh, Kari, a Star, a Star Wars Tia. Uh, right now that's kind of the plan, but, uh, the film may change, but right now that's the plan. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of there. And now Joey, obviously you got a lot going on. Tell the people what you're working on, kind of what they can expect from you with the follow and everything there. Sent, so people can send them your way. I uh, appreciate that. Yeah. If you guys want to learn how to use Adobe Premiere Pro, you can follow my TikTok, Joey Artablanco. But, um, other than that, no, you just keep a lookout. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely and obviously joey's an incredible filmmaker try to look up some of his shorts wherever they're available uh, uh joey is a great action incredible filmmaker uh like i loved getting a chance to work on some of your films and getting a chance to do that there and so like if you guys are ever looking for a, a little bit of just some entertaining shorts definitely look up some of stuff is uh is the pit available online now or is it yeah uh... it's on it's on youtube if you go check the my youtube channel joey d i think i changed it to shut up and cut now um mm-hmm. you could check it's, so you it's could on check your channel pit. yep and you could check out fight too oh perfect yeah the, those two films especially i love the pit the pit is great fight is awesome as well definitely recommend guys checking out joey's stuff uh just support him he's incredible uh again as naf said can attest that he he actually has listened to joey's videos to learn how to edit and doing all that stuff yeah. and uh if you joey's just an awesome follow on tiktok as well as everything else and they can all find you at shut up and cut underscore or like yep. uh, where can people find you? Yeah, you could find me on TikTok, Joey Artablanco, and then you can find me on YouTube at Joey D or shut up and cut underscore. Yep. Perfect. 
And uh, we are one with the films. Uh, Naf, uh, where can people find you? Uh, well, you can find me at On Second Thought across anywhere. Best place is uh, Instagram because that's the normal one. And then you can use the links to find me anywhere else. But I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, all the fun places as well. Um, yeah, so come hang out. It'll be sick. Absolutely. And then I am Movie K Man the Third. I am Movie Man Opinions. You can find me on uh, Instagram, uh, TikTok, uh, Twitter, threads, everywhere uh, with that. And then also just here, I have a several different reviews up on the channel uh, if you want to watch my batman one you want to watch my tick tick boom working on a couple more but obviously with the strike i'm kind of refraining from doing some of those right now but i will be posting a lot more about my DD things in fact naf and i actually have a, a thing that we're going to be doing later on in august uh probably towards the end of august we will be doing a a uh, big one shot uh, with using my system as well as my world. He will be in it, such as friends of the channel, um, Spooky Bree, uh, Eliana, as well as um, uh, uh, Elizabeth, as well as uh, Kit, a merrier place. We'll all be doing a big uh, one shot. So we're working on that. Uh, more details to come. And guys, again, thank you for joining us. If you guys have a film that you want to recommend us doing, if you like hearing us talk about all this stuff, please just comment down below, share, subscribe. Uh, also, sh like, listen to us on Spotify. Rate us. It helps us go do well with the algorithm. Do all the things that you know what to do. And as, as always, as my friend Raglan says, clear water brings both pleasure and pain. Okay. Noted.